<laughs> Practice. Alan Iverson on uh, line one. Brian Christofferson <laughs> is on the hotline uh, from Husker 24-7. Good morning. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Uh, we're talking about practice. He got pretty passionate about what they do on uh, non-game days. And I think he also made a, a nice little add-on that it's the quality of like contact during practice, that it's not just a bloodbath, but it's a good, yeah. good like thorough practice. Do you have an inkling if we'll have any eyeballs on practice this uh, spring? Because now I'm really intrigued on how he puts his practice <laughs> together. Um, I'm not sure yet. Uh, the one thing I like so far, though, kind of connected to that, is I feel like you'd have to say Matt Rule understands how linked this fan base is to that football program and wanting to know, you know, you know, you can't know everything, but people want to know a lot about what's going on and have answers for certain things. And I would say to this point, he's been pretty transparent about, um, you know, the issues that have popped up so far. I mean, like even guys who have left their roster, they, they change that roster daily, you know, or, or whenever it happens. And so to your question, um, he has sort of, I think, um, you've had a good view through the window um, through clips on social media, through the stuff that pops up on the website. This is what we're doing personnel wise through the head coach having been available to the media, I think in like three or four of these settings now, sort of like yesterday uh, where he speaks on a variety of topics. So I don't know if, if we'll have that sort of access or not. And um, I, I just know that to this point, you, you have to say he's really given an opportunity to see what's going on. And um, and I appreciate that, of course, from the business we're in. But I think this fan base does, too, because I think they they feel like they're they're a part of it and they always want to they want to be a part of the mission, even kind of leading up to a season. You know, it's he's he's just so meticulous with what he says, Brian. Yesterday listening, I, it was a question simply about is this a, a time of the year that you can sort of find out who really loves football and who doesn't. And as he was getting ready to answer that question, he was also quick to say, I don't like, I'm always careful about labeling kids uh, of loving football and not loving football because you might have something else going on where maybe your passion doesn't come out as much as maybe the next guy. And, and then he went on to answer the question. Just so many different examples yesterday of what I thought was a normal line of question that we probably get in these settings where he just seems to, he seems to put a lot of thought in, I don't know if he anticipates it or what, what, yeah. what were some of your kind of major takeaways from, from just that interaction yesterday from explaining the off season, you know, program, the winter program to, you know, again, getting into practice and everything in between. No, we can start with the answer that you're talking about there. He knows things are complicated sometimes beyond, um, you know, with a player. There, there's right. things going on in everybody's lives. You have 110 guys, whatever it is over there, and one year somebody might have some family issues or something that's going on behind the scenes or, um, you know, some difficulty that we don't know about. And th that is obviously going to change what's going on with them as an athlete and a student and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he's been at a place in Temple – where he saw a lot of guys evolve 
um, you know, through their careers at, and have points where um, maybe it was up in the air a little bit, even in certain cases, you know, like if, if football was going to be the thing or, or not. Um, and, you know, he had he has a couple guys, I think, that are in the NFL that weren't with the roster yeah. um, with him at Temple for a little while, and they came back and, and, and stuff really worked out for him. And so um, when he answered that question, it's a good one to pinpoint because it's, it's one where you could just say sort of a token answer, um, and he, he doesn't do that um, it, with, with, with questions. It doesn't seem like he does put some real thought into it and does, doesn't want to put um, players in a box, you know, especially mm-hmm. when you're get, just getting to know your players. Like, you, 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 you know, you know this is a tough time of transition for them, too, and they're figuring things out and if they belong here and if they fit and all that. Um, so you're not going to just make snap judgments right now. Uh, but, yeah, I thought that was a really good answer to a question where a lot of times a guy would have just sort of blurted out maybe what you're supposed to say. Um, and and he knows that I think it's it's way more layered with each athlete when it comes to that. Yeah, how do you think, and uh, Matt Rule talked a little bit about this yesterday about Tony White, and then Chief Borders was there kind of talking about his role. But what do you expect spring to look like on the defensive side of the ball? Because it's still... It, 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 I get the inkling that they're still teaching the defense to each other and then we'll start teaching to players. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the test of it is you have a staff that's still learning each other a little bit on that side. But I like that he said of Tony White, you know, he's a guy with a lot of humility for, for what he's done as a coach even. He still is a humble guy who I think wants to uh, take in all the ideas and, and really have an open platform for conversation about what they're going to do. So I, I'm sure there is going to be a feeling out process, though, where you, you're kind of doing that right now behind the scenes, I'm sure, in the meeting rooms. But then you got to take it to the field for a week or two and sort of see certain things and how that fits with this guy. And, you know, we could maybe move this guy over here. And, you know, I think that whole spring is going to be one of movement and probably some fluidity, maybe even in some positions, I would say, where there's some hybrid-type players where you could consider in other spots, and they'll have to think about that. Um, you know, Chief Borders is a is one of those, like, flexible guys when you look at his frame and stuff where he could probably do a lot of different things. And then I think you guys might have caught it, too. I mean, he, he said, we got a lot of defensive backs. I mean, he just flat out. <laughs> they do. And there is. Like, you, you, you go through the numbers. And there's just a ton of guys, you know, guys like that you kind of forget about that popped up as transfers and stuff that you got excited. You know, you got your Kane Williams type guys and you got like, you know, Kobe Bretts was, you know, a, a big recruit locally and stuff. And uh, just uh, you could go through the Leo Martin is the guy I was thinking about the other day. I mean, there's all these different names where they could get kind of lost because there's so many of them. So I think you got to kind of, figure out okay beyond the top four or five especially in the secondary which are returning although probably the most juiciest comment was when he said mr i don't know who it is by the way but he said mr irrelevant Mm -hmm. when they're picking up captains as a starter so everybody's mind is like who's that guy (laughs) um but i think on defense you're looking like okay beyond those like five or six guys that you know a little bit more about in the secondary there's like this whole second and third tier Maybe some of those guys can move up to even first tier with this staff, but who belongs and who doesn't, who fits really well, can some of those guys even move up a level? I think all that stuff has to probably be in play. 
Sharp and I were talking about this, and Sharp had brought up just a lot of the interactions with Thomas Fedoni, you know, leading up to his recruitment and, you know, his time in Nebraska. You hear him talk, and I know, Brian, you've had a chance to talk with him before, too. You're probably not necessarily surprised or taken back by his tone and his confidence, but one thing that I did take away is a guy that seems to be, not that he wasn't motivated going in, but seems to have sort of a renewed vigor when it comes to what he's trying to prove with the injury situation. Did you get that vibe from him yesterday? Yeah. I mean, he's a very determined guy. I like the story told of, you know, his team won the competition within the team, and he was sort of the the captain of that group. But they lost the first week pretty badly, and, and it was said out loud, Fedone last place and um I like that you know didn't sit well he, he got he got with his guys like that isn't happening again you know we, we get we got to be at the top and sure enough um you know this point system isn't just about workouts or anything people need to understand that it's about like community service and being on time and accountability and all those factors which I think are important to stress this time of year and um that he kind of helps schedule that for his group and uh who's doing what when and how we're going to do it and we're not going to be last again we're going to be first and they kind of ran away with the competition and i think that tells you a little something about his makeup that um you know he kind of took that by the reins and that was so important to him and he was i mean he was candid about a lot of things he was honest that yeah there was fleeting thought maybe about what do you do like is this the place i stay at at nebraska or do i look elsewhere but i think those thoughts were pretty fleeting um from the way he put it, and he really has adapted well to this staff in a hurry, it seems. He's obviously still learning his position coach, and he really loves Sean Beckton, it seems, by the way, the words he said about him, which I thought was uh, something um, to take out of that, too. But, uh, yeah, it was it was cool to hear that a guy who's really been through the, the, tough, the toughest circumstances football-wise to start his career is basically in the same place he arrived, like, I'm going to succeed. You're not going to stop me. Um, and, I, you know, you, you got to admire that. Uh, so there's a lot of things that have been very positive in 100 days of Matt Rule. Like, you know, the the getting an availability yesterday. So there's a lot of, like, from the media standpoint, the fan standpoint. But I think I've found the first thing that I'm really going to push back on Matt Rule with. And I hope you're in line with me. Do you really believe that Chubba Purdy and Heinrich Harburg are the two of the fastest guys on this roster? <laughs> what a G- I, the GPS tracking said it, I believe it. I'm a, I don't know. Maybe I'm a, I'm a little bit like Steve Carell when I drive around from the office where if, if it tells me to drive into the lake, I'll drive into the lake. I, I figure it's right. So, so if the GPS monitoring is saying that, I'm going to say, well, okay, that that must be the, the way it is. If it, if it says Bryce Benhart is the second fastest guy on the team, I'm like, okay. Um, so that was interesting. I mean, Harburg was kind of a, a tractor, um, and, and Purdy's got some wheels. So um, I don't know exactly how that got figured or if you put him in a 40-yard dash, how it would go or 100 yards or whatever. But um, they are fast guys. But, um, yeah, I wonder – where they would rank in like a, I don't know what the best race is, but let's say you got them on the indoor track for 60 meters or whatever. Um, I don't think they'd be now, top five. Hey, now, no, now, I don't. Now let's, now let's, let's say that Chubba Purdy is one of the fastest guys. There's another added element to this BC. 
that might be one of the most amazing things because didn't he undergo ankle surgery after he got hurt back in November? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, he, that was sort of I didn't wasn't even piecing those two things together, but he's had to he's had to come back from some stuff. So I mean, it, <laughs> it, 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 they got some great athletes over there. He, the thing you'd say um, he likes the speed a lot. It seems like it feels like. You know, and he's a guy who really values that on his roster. Of course, everybody says that's captain obvious. Everybody wants speed, but he he really, as we've seen in recruiting, goes out of his way to find those track guys who um, have the numbers, like actually, you know, verified that they've run this on the track. And um, so it it says something that he his one of his initial impressions. He looks around and he says, "Yeah, it's a pretty fast group we got here." Um, it sounds like right. He likes the competitiveness, too. It's sort of like, okay, now can you iron out the wrinkles throughout the spring? Because that, that he, said, he kind of brought that up about the detailed part and, like, really honing in on some of those things. You can't let those go missing. And that's why I think their point system was a good idea um, to stress that accountability to other guys. Like, I'm not going to let you down. And I also thought it might uh, take a hammer to some clicks, you know, like it wasn't just position group oriented. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to pick my best friends and be around them. Because if you did, you might find your, your team uh, stunk and you didn't want that, especially in front of a new coach. So you had to kind of get to know different guys and um, gel with them uh, maybe outside of your comfort zone. And so I, as I was thinking about how they ran even that seven-week program of that competition with, you know, the little teams, I, I thought that's, that's a great idea to, you know, not have, like, just the old linemen sitting at one table and the quarterbacks over here or whatever. It feels like you really get everybody kind of connected better that way. Well, and getting guys out to sporting events, it's, it's interesting because – I mean, Matt Rule's been at everything. He mentioned a lot of the different things that he'd been at. They're talking about 20 uh, football players being at a tennis match uh, not too long ago. I mean, when you think of what he's, again, going back to that word accountability, what he's sort of demanding out of his players, I I asked this earlier, I asked you the same question. Do you see between that, the competition in, in the winter conditioning leading into spring, do you see all of that sort of, creating a path that this thing as a program, we talk about the culture and making mention of, you know, one score losses in fourth quarters. I mean, is there a path that you could see, all right, there's a method to this. I could see where this could work and and that results could also come favorably for Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, I I think uh, accountability, uh, you got to have it, uh, you know, in those key moments in games. And when can you start building it? Right now. I mean, this is this is the time where you have to try all those different avenues to uh, build leadership, to build the sort of program where uh, you don't want to let down the guy to your left or right. It's that important to you. And um, and also where um, it's not a click-based team um, and also one that is connected, I think, to the university and the fan base. You know, it, it, we've seen teams, even good Husky, some good Husker teams in recent eras uh, where there was a little us versus them that would sort of build up sometimes um, within the football team and even like the criticisms that came from the fan base and stuff like that. 
And I think stuff like this is really useful in getting people out in the community and you, you're, you, you feel like you're all in it together. And, and especially in the athletic department, having that too, like I saw today, like, you know, Rhonda Ravel was uh, tweeting at Matt rule about like, it's just a softball photo. That could be the photo of the week that has a Husker player in it. And maybe Matt rule could get some votes on this. And you, I'm sure he will, you know, it's mm-hmm. that sort of thing where like, I think the other coaches too sense what's going on here. And this isn't just going to be all oh, footballs over here in its own little spot. And um, they're, they're uh, beyond approach. It's not going to be like that. And he's made that clear. And I, I think that's a, a, probably an important thing at the college level to have that sort of c- connectivity, not only within your own roster, but within the athletic department where um, you, you do feel that sort of community with everybody. Uh, we'll get chatter on this. How was your uh, Carver Hawkeye experience? I enjoyed it. Um, they, you know, they're doing construction over there right now, but I, th- I actually thought it was a cool arena. I like those bowl arenas where it just rises up and it's pretty sim- simple. Uh, it was one of those environments, though, where early on you could tell before the game there was sort of this confidence. You, know, you just know sometimes when you're in an arena, like there's this confidence, like, yeah, I'm going to handle business today, you know, from the Hawkeye fans. This isn't going to be much of a problem. But a little bit of worry, a little worry. And then when C.J. Wilshire hit that three, that made it like an 80 to 75, a two and a half. That was like finally the moment where you could just, it was unbelievable. It was like, you know, the panic, the cloud of panic, just like over the court was, was so uh, palpable. And um, Iowa, I think kind of got lost in it too. They really didn't have good offensive possessions to finish the game. So heck of a win. I mean, it really increases like that NIT opportunity. Um, I'm going to head out to Chicago tomorrow, I think. And, um, track these guys, see how long they're going to last. But they got it. They got to get that one over Minnesota now. You know, just don't don't let that put a bad loss on that resume. And and then I I think if they do that, that they should be in uh, the postseason. Uh, at least the NIT tournament is what I'm talking about, and that would be quite a quite a feat given everything that's happened. I agree. Safe travels, Mister uh, Basketball Guy. I mean, you're going to be very familiar between. Uh on I-80 between here and uh, Chicago with Iowa City in the middle. Are you going to stop at the world's largest truck stop? Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, uh, that, that's, a, that's a given. Um, usually you want – I don't know. I feel like when you go in there, though, you should go in like a hazmat suit or something in there. It feels <laughs> kind of like – I don't know. It feels like, feels like you're, you're just begging to catch all sorts you of can things say it. When, you, when you go in there. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not like – I'm not really the – a person who worries too much about that, but I, when I go in there, I, I've, I've thought about that, so I'll probably be in and out. Uh, I appreciate it. BC, safe travels. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Uh, you hit the world's uh, largest truck stop there uh, in eastern Iowa. Do your f- feet yeah. stick to the floor? Uh, you know what? I've never had a bad experience there. I'm just very excited they have an orange Julius. Oh, yeah. That's a big deal. And they give you free calendars that you can take on, you know, you paste to the wall. Have you ever bought clothing from there? Uh, no, but if you go yeah. in the back where they have the clothing, mm-hmm. they have quite the array of T-shirts, I yeah, will say that. A lot of good slogans on it. A lot of ways to commemorate the trip. Oh, I, feel, yep. I feel like this is a year that's gotten off to a good start. I've been to the uh, world's largest truck stop, and I've been to a Bucky's for the first time. Went to a Bucky's in Denton, Texas. It in was, Denton? You went all the way? You know, they have. Or did they just get rid of Are Bucky's no longer here? Oh no, the, they're getting taken over by the, Casey's. No, no, not the Buckies around here, but the no, this Buc- is a different. Oh, oh, you're talking about Buc- the uh, in the South. Oh, you're talking about that's its the own mega, world. That are the mega. 
Oh. So the one in Denton has 120 gas pumps. Oh, okay. And it has the world's largest uh, car wash. They have, a, they have a, I mean. Can you get a subscription? Anything that you would want. I mean, they have a carving station in there. It's just unbelievable. Wow. Beaver nuggets. But you know what? You can't get Diet Coke in there. Did you know that, uh, Jimmy? You're from that part of the world. Uh, I did not know because that. Because they have an exclusive deal with Dr. Pepper. I believe that. Yeah. Oh, so you can get Diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Tastes a lot like regular So you're kind of Pepper. in Fansville down there. Okay. Oh, the thing. That's cool. The Buckies are insane. And they're everywhere. And by the way, they advertise that managers make $120,000. At Bucky's? Uh-huh. Wow. I know. Makes you think. How about that? Okay. So, you know, radio thing doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Migrate down south and yeah. uh, get in the, you'd have the fast a, track of the Buckies management. You'd have to take a pay program. cut, but, you know, yeah. managing a Buckies is not bad. <laughs> All right. Darren DeVries, head basketball coach at Drake, joins us next.